Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Encouraging and uplifting. Something we're going to talk about this morning. We need it. I think we need it in this, uh, what we're living through. We want to try to be positive, stay encouraged and uplifted. Last week, we talked about serving. And my, my point was really just keep serving. Keep serving. Because it seems, you know, we're all in a different space than we used to be. Our lives have changed. Uh, we've been uh, shut in for a time or sequestered. And maybe our avenue of serving has been closed. But just keep serving. Look for new ways. Look for new ways. And it'll help you. It lifts you up because it gets your mind off yourself. And this week, a similar theme. And we heard a little bit of a, an intro in the treehouse. It's going to be about encouraging. But it has something to do with names. We heard earlier, Brittany said, there's no other name like the name of Jesus. And isn't that the truth? His name means salvation. He's our savior, and he gave his life for us. And his name means salvation. Names often have meanings. My little grandkids, uh, their names are, are meaningful. Vivian means alive. And Eliana means God has answered. And those, those meanings are significant to us and our family. Do you know what your name means? And even to you who are joining us uh, through digital media, if you're, I, I can get comments through Facebook. If you know what your name means and you're joining us online, put, put it down on Facebook. I want to check it out. I've, uh, although the Wi-Fi has been giving me a little bits of fits today, uh, I'm going to check to see if anybody drops in the meaning of their name. In the Bible, names are often significant. And some were even changed. Uh, Abram, which meant father, he became Abraham. And that means father of many. God changed his name. Jacob, his name meant holder of the heel. He was the second twin born, but he was latched onto his brother's heel, or it means supplanter, because he took his brother's first position. Well, he became Israel. God changed his name to Israel, which means I've wrestled with God and prevailed. We talked a while ago about Naomi. Naomi's name means my delight. But she said, don't call me that. Call me Mara, which means bitter. And the Lord also gave names to some of the prophet's uh, children. He uh, asked Isaiah to name one of his sons this, and this is a mouthful. Uh, Isaiah was told, name your son Mahar Shalal Hashbaz. And that means spoil swiftly, plunder quickly. Because it was uh, a prophetic name that Samaria, the kingdom in the north, was going to be defeated by the Assyrians. And it was going to happen quick. The prophet Hosea, his children had uh, names that were meaningful. He, he had a son, Jezreel. 
And uh, that means God sows or God plants. And, and it was a name that was uh, significant because that was where uh, that was where the house of King Jehu was going to be punished in Jezreel. And Hosea was prophesying that. He had a daughter, and her name was Lo-Ruhama. And that means not loved. Wow, that's a tough name, isn't it? How would you like to be that daughter? That would be hard. But again, it was prophetic because God said, my love for Israel, it's waning. I'm not going to show them love. And then uh, Hosea had lo am I, which means not my people. And again, it was prophetic. So these names had significance and meaning. And uh, oh, I see... uh, uh, is there any in here? Mine means glorious. Oh, that's from Gloria. Right on. That, that uh, Andrea is strength. Uh, let's see. Is there any others? I don't see any others. But you see, names have meaning. In the New Testament, Jesus gave names too, didn't he? Uh, to Simon. Jesus named him, we know, Peter, right? Peter And he told Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. And what does Peter mean? It means rock. And Jesus even gave some nicknames. And I've talked a little bit about this to some of our men at one of our men's groups a while ago. And it might be a bit of a a review for them, but I think it's worthwhile. Jesus gave nicknames. And in Mark chapter 3, we read about some. It's James and John, the sons of Zebedee. In Mark 3.17, it says, Jesus gave them the name Bonargase. And what does Bonargase mean? It means sons of thunder. And that was a nickname for them. And based on their, uh, their personalities and how they carried themselves, these must have been some powerful personalities, James and John, to be called sons of thunder. Interesting nickname. Did you have a nickname growing up? Anybody have a nickname? How about you were connecting on Facebook? Put your nickname in if you had a nickname. I remember some uh, nicknames of people that were associated with me or in my circle, and I, I can, I'll just rattle some of them off. There was a pork chop, a bubba, a moose. Pr- pretty much every group had a moose. Uh, there was a guy called the Geek, and he didn't mind it. That was fine. There was a professor, a GQ, uh, someone we called Chuckles, uh, a guy called Red, you know, red hair, right? No trouble there. He, he accepted it. Um, one we called Gumby, another Pokey. Uh, you could probably figure out why. There was people like Junior, a Mooch, um, and then there was one kid that um, we called the Rad Rat. Uh, so, we, you know, it's easy to pick up nicknames. I had a brother that picked up a nickname. He was, when he was younger, uh, this is one of my older brothers. I have plenty of them, and so I got lots of stories of older brothers. He, uh, before school, he was fooling around with his BB gun and loading it, and it discharged and shot a BB in his nose. And it, it lodged up there in the cartilage of his nose. He, he didn't want to tell my mother, and he went off to school. 
But it was kind of bugging him a little bit. And so finally after school, he mustered up the courage to tell mom, hey, I, I shot a BB up my nose. So uh, she took him to the doctor and the doctor said, look, it's just, it's way up there in the cartilage of his nose. It's more harm than good to try to dig it out. Just leave it there. So he came to be known as BB Nose Brian. Now, whenever you, you'd have to say, hey, BB Nose and run, of course. So it was, uh, you know, it wasn't all the time, but kids can be kids, right? And boys will be boys. So to needle them a little bit, hey, BB Nose. So let's see. Any, anyone have the courage to, uh, uh, I see, I see some meanings like Matthew, gift of God, uh, but what about any nicknames here? Let me see. I see one. My name means strong. Another warrior. That's Debbie. Okay, here's one. Here's a nickname, Susie Q. That's all right. Uh, one. Well, Gloria said her nickname was Jack. All right, that's probably a story behind that. Uh, another one says Mud, LOL. Okay. Manda Panda, that's from Amanda. So how do, we, how do we pick up nicknames? It's often our name, you know, it's just rhyming like, like Amanda. Sometimes it's uh, what we look like, like a guy named Red, or how we acted, how, how someone acts. And in the New Testament, I want to give you an example of someone who earned a nickname by the way that they acted. And it's in... Uh, Acts chapter 4, and I want to read verses 36 and 37. This is someone who earned a nickname of sorts. So Acts 4, verse 36 and 37, it reads, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So here in Acts chapter 4, we're introduced to Joseph from Cyprus. But it also tells us that he became known by a different name. He, he was from Cyprus. What was Cyprus famous for? It was famous for his cop, its copper mines. And Joseph owned a field. If we were going to hang a nickname on him, I don't know, maybe I'd go with Copperfield. But that's not what he was called. He wasn't called Cypress Joe. He wasn't called Island Joey. No, he was called Barnabas, which literally means, again, we're told in Acts chapter 4, son of encouragement. Now, when you read more about Barnabas, you'll discover that he lived up to his name. What characterized him? Well, what characterized him was the way he carried himself with people. His ability to encourage. He, he had this ability to encourage and lift people. Acts chapter 436, where we're introduced to Joseph, the Levite from Cyprus. From, that's the only time he's called Joseph in the New Testament. From that point forward, all we read is Barnabas. Barnabas, Barnabas. Because that became how people... Uh, called him. That was his name. In Acts 9, there's a passage about Barnabas. And so I want to share this with you about Barnabas. In this passage of scripture, 
we read about a man named Saul. So Saul is part of this passage here in Acts chapter 9. Saul who had a murderous past. Saul who uh, had been a persecutor of the church. And in this passage, we'll see that the people of Jerusalem, they were incredulous. They didn't believe that such a man, Saul, could have changed and could have been converted. But then there's Barnabas and how he carries himself. Let's read it. Acts 9, 26 through 30. It reads, when he, and that is Saul, that's a reference to Saul. When Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So this passage is about these two men, Saul and Barnabas. And at first, Saul, we read he was rejected. Here he had come to faith in Christ. He had turned his life over. He'd become a true convert. But he was rejected by the faithful. He was rejected by the church because of his past. Who's going to befriend a murderer anyway, right? They were afraid of him. But there was someone who wasn't afraid. There was someone who befriended him. Someone who took Saul under his wing. A man steps into the picture and he changes the course of all the events. And it was Barnabas. Barnabas, the son of encouragement. He disregarded Saul's past. He disregarded the persecution and the murderous threats. He believed in Saul. He rehearsed Saul's testimony, his testimony of conversion, and he persuaded the apostles to accept him. Now imagine what that must have done for Saul. Here, everyone had rejected him. But someone comes along and says, come with me. Let me introduce you to these people. I'll I'll vouch for you. Saul was a true convert sold out for Jesus, yet these faithful would not accept him. Because of his past, his persecution, and all the violence in his past. But then there's this man that comes along that believes in him. And he becomes an advocate for Saul. To give the man a second chance. Now he vouched for him until he was ultimately accepted. Think about how encouraging that must have been. Think about if that were you totally rejected and somebody comes along and says let me let me come with you let me vouch for you let me tell others really how sincere you are how encouraging that must have been so much so that Saul then he went about Jerusalem preaching and he preached the gospel of Jesus and ultimately Saul 
becomes the great apostle Paul. He becomes a church planter and an evangelist. And he becomes the most prolific writer of the New Testament. And he forges a friendship, a lifelong relationship with Barnabas. The man who had originally encouraged him. Yet their relationship wasn't perfect. It had their, they had their times of, of disagreement and struggle, friction. At the close of Acts chapter 15, we read about Paul and Barnabas planning a trip. They begin to plan a mission trip at the close of Acts chapter 15. And this is the second trip they would have gone on together. Now Barnabas suggests they bring a helper with them, a man named John Mark, who also happens to be Barnabas's cousin. Paul said, no, forget that guy. He was with us on our first trip. We went on our first mission trip and John Mark deserted us. No way. Again, this is Acts 15, their second trip they're planning. If we back up a little to Acts chapter 13, the first missionary trip with Paul and Barnabas, I want to read to you Acts 13, 13. It says, from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John, and that's John Mark, that's, that's the man John Mark, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. So they were in this city of Pamphylia, and John Mark left. He wanted to go back to Jerusalem. That's when he abandoned Paul and uh, Barnabas. And really, if you read through that and you understand their trip, it was pretty much the beginning of the trip. Well, they had sailed the boat over to where they were going to start preaching. They really hadn't gone much inland. And John Mark says, I'm leaving, guys. I'm going. And Paul lost his trust in this guy. Paul didn't want to deal with him anymore. So when Paul and Barnabas begin to plan their second trip, Paul's adamant he's not coming. These guys, they had such a disagreement. Paul went one way and Barnabas went the other way. Barnabas took John Mark. And Paul, he got a new helper named Silas. And they split up. This is, this is how bad their disagreement was. Well, why would Barnabas want this guy that abandoned them? Was it just because he was a relative? We read he was a cousin. We know he was a cousin. Is John, is John being advocated for by Barnabas just because he's related? Or would Barnabas have done it for anyone? Was this a blood is thicker than water thing? That's not the way I see it. If we consider how Barnabas gave Saul, this persecutor of the church, a second chance, then I see him back in John Mark with the same attitude. It's all about a second chance. It's all about a little bit of redemption. Paul may have needed that reminder. I mean, after all, Barnabas was the one who had encouraged him, gave him the second chance. Perhaps Paul could learn to be a little bit less rigid. But uh, they split up and they go. 
Did Paul soften? It seems he did. It seems he did mellow a little bit. And we read in his letter to the Colossians and his second letter to Timothy, he mentioned John Mark in very good terms. And in his letter to uh, the Corinthians, his first letter, he counts Barnabas as one of the apostles. So it seems the son of encouragement may have had an effect on him. And maybe that split really had an effect on Paul. Joseph of Cyprus was living up to his name, this nickname Barnabas. Now, I want to conclude with another definition for this name Barnabas and and really leave you with that. I want you to take this with you. In the King James Bible, in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, which we've already read, it reads that Barnabas means not the son of encouragement, but the son of consolation. It's a little different English word, but it's the same Greek word behind it. What is that Greek word? The Greek word for encouragement and consolation used there in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, is the word paraklesis. So Barnabas, the son of paraklesis. That's, that's the exact same Greek term that's used in other areas of Scripture. One instance, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. I want to read that with you. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Consolation. What was Simeon waiting for? He was waiting for the paraclesis of Israel, the consolation. And that might sound familiar to some of us because it's a Greek word that's related to the Holy Spirit. The word for Holy Spirit is prakletas. There's prakletis, prakletas, rendered in, in, in English, prakletas it is comforter, encourager. Simeon was waiting for the comfort of the comforter. He was waiting for the paraclesis, the comfort, the encouragement, the consolation of Israel. Who was he waiting for? He was waiting for Messiah. He was waiting for Jesus, the one called the Christ. So it is that Barnabas, who was called son of, in the Greek, son of paraclesis, He's called by some as the son of Christ. Wow, that takes it to a whole new level if we think of it that way, right? Son of Christ. But that's who he was. That's who Barnabas was. Barnabas came to believe and put his full faith and trust into Jesus Christ. And he lived his faith. Remember, we read, he put everything he had at the feet of, of the apostles. He sold what he had on the island of Cyprus 
And he laid the proceeds at the apostles' feet. He wanted to be part of this church. He wanted to be part of the the message and the gospel and the mission of Jesus Christ. And he lived it. And he exemplified his Lord. He can rightly be called son of consolation, son of encouragement, son of Christ. And that's an example for all of us. An example for all of us to aim for and to reach for and to endeavor to attain. We might pick up a name, a nickname from our neighborhood, our school. We might pick up a nickname from our work associates, from our, the circles of people around us. Let's endeavor for that to be son of Christ. Sons and daughters of Christ or brother or sister of Christ. If someone was going to hang a nickname on you today, what might it be? Would it be son or daughter, brother, sister of Christ? If your boss, if you are a boss, how, how do your employees see you? Do they, do they see Christianity at all? You're a worker. How do the other workers see you? How does your boss see you? Do they see Jesus in you? Are they going to nickname you the Jesus freak? That's a good thing. Wherever you are, whomever you meet, who are they seeing? If they were to just hang a simple nickname on you, are you a Barnabas? Are you an encourager? Are you that son, daughter of consolation, bringing the encouragement of Christ? Now, this was a man who was uniting where there was division. That seemed to be his heart. When the church was divided, and they didn't want Saul, he was, he was separated from the church because of his past persecution and his reputation. Here comes this uniter. We're living right now in a divided time, aren't we? We're in a nation divided. Even Christians are divided. And how, how are they divided? They're divided how to respond to all this pandemic stuff, all the rules and the guidelines and the regulations. It's got people arguing and fighting, even in the church. Even Christians upset and they can't, they can't come to terms. They can't come to agreement. Christians are divided over racial issues and trouble and strife and fighting. Christians are divided because of the election. We need more Barnabases. We need more uniters. We, mean not, we don't need more dividers. We need uniters. We need the givers of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. We need to be these encouragers and bringing people together because of Christ. And that was, that's the example of this son of consolation, son of encouragement. We need more sons and daughters of consolation. Would you do that? Would you leave here today saying that's what I'd want to be? That's my encouragement to you. That if, you're, if you've got any of this division going on in your family, work, neighborhood, life, if, if you've been 
putting gas on the fire out there on social media, wherever. Saying, oh, you know, this, whatever, this stuff about the pandemic and don't do that and don't listen to them or, you know, the election, this, that, or the other. How about thinking about ways to bring together instead of divide? Let's do that. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer this morning? God, we need you. Help us to see this example from a man named Son of Encouragement, Son of Consolation. Help us to be that, God. Help us to be someone who would give another a second chance. That we wouldn't just throw someone under the bus because, well, their past wasn't that great. God, Help us open our eyes. Help us to see if someone just might be misguided in the way that they're saying things. Paul wasn't perfect. And Barnabas vouched for him. Even had a division with him. Yet they were, they were united after. God, help us. Help us to be uniters. Help us to be sons and daughters of consolation and encouragement. Bless your people with that this morning, God. Bless them. May they take it away. May may I take it away. All of us, God, that if people see us and they were to call us by something other than our given name, it would have something to do with who we represent. It would have something to do with Jesus in a positive way. God, grant that. Bless us. Help us to carry that with us as we leave and as we meet people and we deal with people and interact with them, whether it's on the phone, face-to-face, social media, that we're being a Barnabas. God, we thank you. I pray that blessing. I pray it for all of us, and I ask your grace to give us testimony of it. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Amen.